you should be earning the money you are worth. And if that is less, equal or more, at the end of the day, I don't really care. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of The Bold Tackle. I today have the honour to open the podcast because today we're going to speak about Oliver Howard, the host with the angel voice. Holly, how are you doing? I'm great. First of all, I'm a bit stumbled that I have an angel voice. Uh, I always find I have a squeaky voice with a German accent. <laughs> but if other people find it's an angel voice, oh, I love that. <laughs> well... I've shown your voice to a couple of my friends and they all agree that you've got an angel voice. <laughs> so it's out there now. Anyways, how are you doing? Great. I, I really can't can't moan. Um, I'm still enjoying the World Cup. Um, maybe this episode will come out after the World Cup, but I've seen some really, really great games. And obviously you spoke about the World Cup and uh, pay in the last episode. So I'm really looking forward to what we discussed today. Yeah, me too. I think in the last last episode, um, people could recognise by your voice, I guess, how excited you were about um, the topic of equal pay and, I guess, financial investment in the game. Um, but I think it's important for people to know who you are. They've heard enough about me. So who are you? What do you do? I'll give you a quick introduction. I won't keep it too long because, after all, we do want to talk about football and we do want to talk about you because this podcast should be about you, your journey and the game of women football. And as we know, uh, I love talking with you about the game. I, I love asking the difficult questions. And as you said, I, I do enjoy money um, just on the investment side. So I started um, my my investment journey um, as a student and I came to Hoffenheim where you were playing football I didn't know where I was going in life at that stage and you were at Hoffenheim um, so I decided come on so I'll come to to you because in Mannheim there was a university that I could um, enjoy as I was into um, economics uh, and so on and I w- wanted to see which career I could pursue because I didn't have a clue where I wanted to go as a, as a young boy I obviously wanted to be a football professional that turned out to be much harder than I thought it would also I didn't have the consistency um, that you probably needed to become a professional and uh, probably also not the mindset so for me that wasn't the career to pursue so I wanted to see where I could go within the business industry um, and, and what I can do in general. So I went to university and that uh, turned out to be very difficult for me just because it was all very theoretical and I like to work practical and know what I'm doing. So after two years of university, which I enjoyed very, very much and where I spent a lot of money on going out and partying as you do at university, <laughs> I spoke to Barry, shout out to him uh, and dad and um, 
they introduced me to the financial industry as Barry was working in London for a company and he offered me to come over for a year um, and look into his company, see what his part of the business did, did, but also go on the other side to see how investments work to, to go within the research department of a big wealth management company in the UK um, and also look a little bit into the fund industry, uh, the fund research part. After being there for a year, I was offered to stay and finish my university degree in the UK but as you know uh, I, I love Germany I tried twice uh, to move abroad I did it a third time just recently where I was in Paris and I came back from there as well because I think um, although we are English and we were brought up English um, Germany is is my home after being in the UK then I, I came back to Germany and I had through my contacts and that's when you see how important contacts are through my contacts at this company in the UK I got in contact with a company that was in the UK but who were opening a German office and it was more or less a media company focusing on the asset management industry uh, and where my job was to get into contact with professional investors see how they invest and see what this company I worked for could report about and I was at that company for quite a while and I really really fell in love with um, the world of investing and I am still in that world today but after five years after six years being at that company I decided with my now um, business partner that we wanted to do it by ourselves just because we had a, a couple of different things we wanted to approach differently because we wanted to also focus focus on small boutique companies and not just on the, on the big asset managers that have all this marketing budget but we decided to uh, focus on our own company and we are still in the asset management industry we still talk about investing on a day-to-day -day basis we still talk to, uh, to fund managers all around the world and that's why investing is such a big part of my life not only on the professional side but also on the personal side um, with my own money and this is why and I your love daughter and my daughter <laughs> um, and that's why I love talking about money I know I completely get it that is clearly your passion uh, just for all the listeners real quick Barry who Ollie mentioned is our uncle um, in case you were wondering but Ollie is it safe to say that when you were at the company before you founded your own company you were pretty much through I guess the knowledge you'd acquired you were running the department but whatnot you weren't really getting the rewards of a business owner is that right um, yeah, I think you can say so. So, so I don't hit out to this other company. I loved working for the other company, but I had a I had hit a glass ceiling, and the department Tim and I, my business partner now, and I were were running. So Tim was running the editorial side, I was running the audience development or relationship management side. Um, we were bringing the company quite a bit of money through the content Tim was producing, the contacts I was producing, and the events we were putting together. Obviously, with a team all around us but we were still only um, seen as normal employees who couldn't really bring the business what we were bringing the business so that was one on the one hand I was hitting a glass ceiling because my boss was there and he he was not going anywhere um, and on the second hand yes the financial reward on one side was not there for what I think I was worth and um, I always think you can moan about it you can create problems with in the company um, which I never did uh, I always said, hey, I think I need some a little bit more money for what I'm doing, but I never created any problems. Well, I still loved the job I was doing. But at the end of the day, stop moaning about it, do something about it. And after, I think it was about two or three years that I was working in a company where I was unhappy with the financial reward I was getting. I was getting the personal reward and getting the pats on the back, 
But at the end of the day, that's nice to have. But that's not everything you need. Because I think financial reward for what you do is is needed to also stay happy. Um, and this is not earning millions, but it's earning for what you're worth. And um, then we decided, hey, we'll take it in our own hands. And we, we founded this company we have now. And we only earned uh, less than minimum wage. We were earning 700 euros um, a month at the beginning for a full day of work and a, the work day was not nine to five it was more or less getting up at seven in the morning and working all through the night um but we were loving what we were doing so it didn't it didn't matter how much money we were earning at that stage and we did that for about a year and then we gradually increased our our salary at the end of the day now we still earn very little for what we do but we invest it all in the company talking about investment again because we think that's the reward we want to have is more employees um a, a better video studio which i'm standing in now and and just a better company and it's not so important what the salary is at the end of the day but it's the financial reward now as a business that we're getting back and that's what we're focusing on so yes long story short yes i was missing the financial reward and that's why we made that people call it risky jump but that jump into self-employment because at the end of the day it's it's the same risk as you have as an employee you need to need to get your butt into gear you need to work um to get success and either the company doesn't work now that we're in or my employment doesn't work and i get fired so where's the where's the additional risk yeah, I think I could talk about this all day long. Um, I know we've got a different topic planned, um, but it's so obvious to see that you are passionate about what you do. And for that, you give it your all, which means um, lowering your wage at the beginning, invest, investing it into, I guess, your, your livelihood or, or your passion and um, working, working hard for what you want. And I think the biggest thing you've taught me is knowing your worth. Um, you went to the old company and, and said, almost demanded or said you wanted more money because you know you're, you're putting the work in and um, if that wasn't um, I guess appreciated or replicated then I'll do my own thing and um, I think that's something us siblings admire about you um, without it getting too cheesy yeah and but without hard feelings either I was not feeling feeling mad at them or I wasn't mad at them at all for them not increasing my salary because that was their type of business they wanted to run but that's not what I wanted as a reward so no hard feelings but then let's separate go separate ways um just a, a silver lining I see here why we talk because we talked about you in the first two episodes you did pretty much the same at Reading you had to take that step back and it wasn't on salary or at least I don't know if it was on salary or not but it was this project from going from the first league in the UK to the second league to build that portfolio to build the project to build Leicester and look where you are now so sometimes that step backwards is not always a downgrade but it's a move forward no, I can I completely agree. I think you have to understand your own situation and be aware of what's going in, uh, going on. Sorry, um, not only financially but emotionally and mentally as well. Um, but just before we go into the actual topic, money in women's football, if if I asked you, Ollie Howard, what what do you do? Can you give me a, just a few sentences because I really struggle when my friends ask me what you do, or I go around in circles. So if you could help me out here, what what is it you do? I have a smile on my face because I hope dad will listen to this podcast because I've explained to him several times and I think he still doesn't know. And this is how I feel at all times. <laughs> but um, we are more or less a media company. We write about the asset management industry, so about the investment world. We write for professional investors. And what the idea of the business is, is to bring the seller of an investment product 
together with a buyer of the investment product. And this is not to sell products, but just to inform about the products that are available and how people manage their money and what the opportunities are for investors to invest. Um, and this is what we do. And how do we earn money? This is maybe a question that other people ask themselves. It's the classical advertisement business. So people know that we have the right people we are in contact with, the right investors that read our website. So they do advertising of their products on our website. Let's relate this to football, maybe. We are a media platform that writes about the football industry. Um, and then people actually read about the football industry and people that want to place their products, like a Nike, like an Adidas, um, whatever, they would do advertising on this football website. So the readers who are interested in football, who would also play football themselves or who need sports gear or who want to buy a new football, who want to buy new football shoes, they read about football and they keep seeing this advertisement. And the next time they walk into a football uh, boot store, they maybe go and buy the Nike or Adidas football boots because they've seen their advertisements all over the the uh, homepage. So we are the football sports newspaper, um, but for the investment industry. Thanks. This is perfect because when I explain what dad does, I always relate it to football because people just understand it. <laughs> I would love to go into Eagle Pay now um, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about um, football in general because this is what this, this podcast is all about. But um, Eagle Pay is something that goes through all the businesses um, and which should we, we, which we should strive towards. Um, first of all, I would like to tickle your emotions what is your feeling about equal pay within the football industry i think in recent years the term equal pay has just been used so many times without actually first of fully understanding the situation and fully understanding the request for equal pay um, by no means am i saying i should earn 750k a week because i understand that the revenue is not there in the women's game. What I what I believe and, and where I stand is I should be paid equally for the work I put in every single day because I believe I put in the same amount of work as the male counterparts. I understand that the wages club level, because I think it's very important to differentiate between club and country. But on club level, I understand that the revenue in male football at the moment is way higher than in women's football. And this is what we spoke about last time. We still rely on every single person we can get to tune in, to come and support us on, on match day, to buy our tops. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, ticket sale. Like, we need everyone and one another to grow this game. What Where I really struggle is that... The wages some male players are on are not solely based on the revenue. There is a way higher investment for what they do on the pitch. Okay, uh, can we stick to the club level first and then we'll maybe talk about the national teams after that. Um, just another question. Do you think women earn too little in football? Yeah. Okay, um, let's talk about the, the club level then because um, I agree what you say. On the one hand, doing the same job, you should be earning the same money. Uh, let me just compare us as a little startup with maybe the Financial Times, who everyone else will know. Huge company, media business. So I do probably 
the same business as a founder that they do there. But looking at the size of their business and looking at my size of the business and looking at the revenue they create and the revenue I create, we can't earn the same money. Although we do the same job, we can't earn the same money because there's not the same money there. So I think to make that comparison of we do the same job is very difficult because it doesn't exist. And I think this is exactly what you said. Equal pay um, is maybe the wrong term. It should just be fair pay of what you do for a business because football is business and what is what the reward the financial reward is you should be getting um so i'm not sure if you have some numbers if not i would love to get a guest into the podcast but um do you think of what the revenue is within women's football that you are then earning earning a fair pay i think if we had some transparency to see what the revenue is uh, to then see, and I again go and compare it to see then what the revenue is on the on the men men's side, and then and then we can have that discussion. Mm. Uh, without numbers, it's difficult. I understand that, but without transparency, we're hitting a wall because because we're asking for something that we're never going to get by not knowing any numbers, by not really knowing what goes on behind closed doors, kind of thing. But then again. Um None of my employees know the numbers of business it's, it's making. Obviously, that's something that is never spoken about and is difficult to speak about because you don't want those numbers to come out to anyone, to clients, to your employees and so on. And also, the men's don't know the numbers of their clubs. Um, you can see sometimes of we have a sponsorship deal here and this is the money there and we have a sponsorship deal here and this is the money there. But for them, it's also very difficult because they don't know the numbers. No one moans because they earn a lot of money. Going back to, to fair pay, we're doing the same job. Um, let's let's look at two players um, because two midfielders, both playing on number six, um, maybe um, same age. I'm not sure if that makes a difference within the football industry. They are doing the same job, but one can be on 50k a week and the other one can be on 750k a week because that's what they negotiated when they signed. Um, so also here, it's... Um, creating equal opportunity which they all have but then it's about negotiating what do you think you are worth the difficulty here is talking about you again you love football you want to play football and when do you stop negotiating when do you say this is how much I want to earn the club says this is not what I'm going to pay you so what is the opportunity stop playing football go into a different club or accepting what they offer, or trying to negotiate a little bit higher of what they are offering. Um, and this is very, very difficult. But again, it's not very easy to solve either. No, I completely understand that. And I, I agree with that. It's not easy to solve. With that example, I think it depends on where you're at in life, what you're looking for. If you're only looking for the highest pay, you're probably going to move on. But that's not me. And I think people know that. Um, there's a lot that will... Um, influence my decision um and at the moment for example i feel really at home mm. and um i'm setting up my life here um what happens with that in terms of contracts in terms of um yeah financial security that's a different question um but when you when you mentioned the difference in pay for two i guess holding mids uh, both in the in the men's game then we talk about how much money will one player bring in 
in the sense of how attractive is this player? How many tickets is he going to sell because he's a big player? How many tops is he going to sell? And that's something I think they consider in their negotiations. And then you mentioned equal opportunity. And I think that is exactly what we're fighting for. Because, yes, I agree with you. I think the terminology has to change. Fair pay is probably, I was just going to say fair play, (laughs) but fair pay is probably what we should go for. And for that, the issue with the whole topic around equal pay is there's a lack of education and a lack of knowledge. And people jump to conclusions. Oh, yeah, we should earn the same. It doesn't make any sense. In a business world, it would make zero sense. I am not bringing in the club enough money for them to justify me a 750k a week wage. Doesn't make any sense. I'm fully aware. And also, um, the club probably doesn't have the money. We'll talk about the club side maybe in a little bit because uh, talking about sponsorship deals and whatever, um, and this can be one of the solutions, but it's not. I think that it's not a solution that wants to be heard. Um, it's... What can be done about earning more money for the club? Look at, we have to compare this men and women in, in this episode because we're talking about equal slash fair play. Um, look at men and how crazy they are about football. Go, let's talk about the UK um, because we can both talk about experiences we made while we were over there. On a Saturday or Sunday, you go to the pub with your mates, you go and watch football, you go and have some beers, you're all wearing the kit, probably you have 10 of the kits at home from the past five seasons because you bought the away kit and the home kit. Um, Then you go and watch it in the pub. Every second week, you have a a season ticket and you go to watch the match there you go and drink your your beers and whatever there and then you go and play football uh on a on a thursday night after work you go and, uh, and play football with the boys so you're wearing the nike shoes and whatever and all this is revenue for football clubs not a football club but football clubs in general um because this is how they also get sponsorship deals they go and um have the um money from putting on tv they go and have the sponsorship deals on their kits they go and sell their kits um and all this revenue comes in look at the women's side where shout is very loud of equal pay but what is done about it? Because moaning, as I said with my job, is very, very easy. But that doesn't help the problem. That creates an atmosphere and a lot of discussion we're discussing now. And um, this is where all this is coming from. What do women do except for shouting? Because what we should be doing, and you said this in this last episode, oh, I was devastated I didn't make it to the World Cup. Um, and I, was, I didn't want to see anything about the World Cup for a couple of days. But then I decided I need to cheer my women on i need to cheer the women's football sport on i'm watching it i'm going um i'm I'm in contact with the girls i'm i'm trying to to um motivate them for the games um and this is something that helps towards the goal of fair pay um seeing on the other side players that say oh we didn't make it i'm not interested in 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 watching it that's not going to help so in as a big picture what needs to happen is there needs to be more interest from men who want women to earn fair pay and women to go and watch the matches, to get record attendances over the next couple of years, to go and buy the kits of the teams, um, to fill stadiums, um, maybe to play football. More, the more girls that play football, the more girls are interested in listening to football podcasts that, listen, uh, that want to go and watch football games, that will increase wages for the women's football players. Um, so I think that is one of the solutions, which takes time. 
things don't happen like this, football players can be helped to earn more money by supporting them in all these different ways, don't you think? I agree with the aspect of we have to understand the situation, how we can make the women's game grow. And you mentioned the example of, we read an article, didn't we, where it said, I'm not at the World Cup, I'm not going to watch it, I haven't watched a single game. We got this wrong here. It is not about you now, it is about the game and it is about us. There are women out there that are fighting on the biggest international stage. I know your role now, and I get quite passionate about it because now your role is, unfortunately, now your role is a supporter. And someone from the outside that can still support and grow the game from where we are here. But I think when you say about, um, you probably didn't mean it as aggressively as it came across, but women just stand there and shout wrong in my opinion when i went to and now i know i'm, I'm transferring it to um national team but when i went to the wembley final the euros final england germany i'd say without knowing any numbers there are 70 75 percent women little girls every single one is wearing an england or germany top with not now the male uh, names on the back what it used to be and i think we all have to put our hands up that's how it used to be but now we are supporting the women's game. So we are slowly making change, but change doesn't happen overnight. What I think is is crucial also to understand is like all these changes we are we are trying to achieve are coming from as players. You have the, the lionesses that have now um, signed off equal opportunity, opportunity for young girls to have access to football in, in their PE lessons. This is coming from the players. This is not coming from the federations. This is not coming from the governing bodies within football. This is coming from the players. Yes, we are screaming for fair pay, but we are also acting with what we can do. Oh, I didn't want to sound aggressively at all. Um, and this is not about... Because um, I, I see all the change that comes is initiated by the players but that's where the interest lies as well we're not allowed to forget this yes the federation is there to support it whatever but if it doesn't change ah they're earning their wages but the football players are the ones that want to make that change and when i talk about the moaning on the side this is not always about the players but but this is about the society as a whole but at the end of the day we need to make changes as well and not just talk no, I know you didn't mean it in an aggressive way. For me, it was just clarifying to all the listeners. Um, I think also where there's screaming, it's screaming for help because we are yet in a time where we are fighting for acceptance every single day. And it's not that we have now come so far that now we can push financially, now we can push for opportunity. No, we are still fighting discrimination, sexism, and in the end being simply accepted for playing the sport we do. And as you said, we all started playing because we love the game. And that makes us and, and women's football so special because none of us started because of money. But realising that we're being paid a fraction of what is paid, paid elsewhere for what we do, because the game is professional now. We don't have training twice a week in a game at the weekend like it used to be years and years and years ago. But you don't earn the money you earned years and years and years ago. We talked about this in one of the episodes exactly. as well. You're professional now, so we can see the growth. I think one point is being patient, but but working towards change. Um, and this is something which should be uh, included in the discussions. Also, I want to make a quick jump backwards because you said um, about the um, 
the final of the European Championship, um, that is one game. And this change needs to happen across the board. You need to have these attendances at every single league game. You talked about Newcastle in comparison to, for example, Leicester games. And when this change happens, then financial reward the financial reward needs to be there and then that change needs to come from the clubs when they make this money again i don't have the numbers behind it so it'd be lovely to speak to someone who can give us a bit more clarity there's not going to be full transparency there never has been and there never will be either on the men's side nor, nor in business nor on the women's football side but um i agree we need to with it with that change the salaries need to change looking at the Maybe we're jumping to the um, national teams now, looking at the World Cup and looking at the ten, top 10 players. That's the top 10 players. We're not allowed to forget this. Uh, and still in comparison to the top 10 players on the men's side, still a long way to go. But these people are earning money for life. If that's what they earn, they're not going to have to work again a single day in their life if they have a certain level of life standard of life um, and then they don't go over the top which a lot of the men's do obviously as well um but we're getting there but this change sorry uh needs to crap uh, needs to happen across the full board i agree with you i think uh, the big word you mentioned is patient um as i said it won't happen overnight and um i think as long as we don't forget where we came from um and, and always remain grateful it is our duty, though, to push, to push and push and push, to fight for, I think, what we deserve. Um, I think adjusting equal opportunity now with facilities, with travel, this is, I think, what we, are, what we are frustrated about. We understand the situation financially, but this equal opportunity, and I think myself personally, but, but as a team, we're quite privileged at Leicester, and I have to say that. We've got a world-class training facility that obviously the men chained in when they won the league um, back in 16. So we've got these these world-class facilities that are still being improved every single season based on feedback, based on having this growth mindset. We are one of the only teams that play every single home game, League or Cup, at the King Power. Mm. So these are signs from the club that they're supporting us and that they're investing in us. Financially, yes, but, but also investing in terms of value. We are being seen. I know, however, that this is not the case across the country. I know clubs where they get changed in sheds, where they don't have analysis rooms, where they have to walk through the snow to go and get their boots to go and train. And this is what people need to know. And this is professional teams? This is now a part-time team. This is a team that for years was professional and because of the lack of investment financially and also, I, d I don't know how to say it, in, in terms of worth and value, this team has gone downhill. And as much as we all shy away from, from talking about how, I almost say badly, some women's teams are treated, we have to talk about it because people need to know that professional footballers because some of these players are still professional because they're under in under professional um, contracts. These players that are professional athletes that are also representing these, this club at the World Cup are having to get their boots from the snow somewhere to go and train. 
It is ridiculous. Exactly. And it's, it seems like I'm targeting this one team, this one club right now. But I guarantee if I asked across the board, if I asked, because now the WSL obviously fully professional and in the next couple of years, the championship will be as well. And there's many full professional teams in there. If I asked all those clubs and teams, I'm pretty sure we could get some shocking stories. Yeah, um, I totally agree. A point that a point you make that needs to be worked on and needs to be changed. Um, and this is the interesting part about this discussion we're having now. It's not just about equal pay. Um, and this is something that should be highlighted. This is the thing you can discuss the most and where, where there probably is the most potential because things like that can be changed quickly. Um, there's there's um, men's teams in the fourth, fifth, sixth division that have a better environment and a better surrounding in the football club as maybe the teams in the championship do. This is something that needs to be changed and can be changed. But also this is going to be a process. Um, this needs to be be changed within the process. Not if if there is no movement, if there is no development, if there is no growth, there's no chance for the women's football as a whole to become anything close to what it is in, on the on the men's side. Um, but as I said, as long as you try to push for boundaries, you talk about it, and at the same time you make a change, I think being patient will deliver the results you want. And with patience, I don't mean do nothing. As I said, work towards it, and then it will come. Um, what are your feelings about the national team side then? Because isn't that very a very similar business? For me, no. For me... Um, match bonuses, match fees, um, prize money in tournaments, in my eyes, should be the same. I know we've got the aspect of revenue, but there is a commercial, probably pod, I'd call it, for each federation that I guess players have brought in, uh, female or male. So if that one should be distributed differently because I guess the male side have sold more tickets or they've sold more tops, that's okay. But match fees, match fees, sorry, and match bonuses, why is there a difference? We look at the US. I know there's been a big, big thing about equal pay in the US. And I guess pretty much the whole nation was behind them, and rightly so. And there was a huge because, investment. Yeah. The national, the, the women's national team brings the US Federation more commercial money than the men's side. Like, no doubt. I can get you figures. Do they earn more money than the men? Not until they've they got their equal pay. But now they do? Now I'm pretty sure it's equal. Okay. But because they've been underpaid for so long, they've now got a, I guess I call it a payout, but it was almost debt. It was almost uh, damage they were rectifying that they got a... Okay. Um, but then you go, it goes and shows again. They fought for it and they got it. We're looking at the number one example. We spoke about the US. There was a huge investment there. They've, they've had this growth. It is the number one sport. It is not in probably 99% of the other um, um, countries. And this is something we're not allowed to forget. We look at them and we, we envy it. And that's what we want to work towards. But this is not where we are now. Um, let's, let's look at the UK. <laughs> I don't think there's a chance that women's football will overtake men's football because the, the Brits are crazy about football. Um, looking about other countries, it will be 
possible and it will happen. And this is not saying, oh, you're worth what you're getting. Stop moaning. We, we need more money on the women's side. But this is something we it's very, very, very difficult to compare to the US. Um, let's be happy about what happened in the US and let's work hard on the UK or Europe, European side to get that more money. So if I say we've had the biggest crowds in Australia and New Zealand, we had the biggest crowd in Australia for a men or female game. For the Australian national team. Yeah, Australian national team. And we have now sold more tops, female footballers' tops, than the men's side has during, I think it was, yeah, during the World Cup and post-World Cup. So how are they still getting less? No, they shouldn't be. Because if that has happened, and this is on a long-term basis, the Australian national team should be earning the same... um, bonuses and match fees as a men team men's team and as soon as that happens i totally agree and you should fight for it and you should get that money and if not there should something should happen that you do get paid that money but so for all those years they have earned less now they have now overtaken why should they not earn more yeah but they can but this doesn't mean that they've well, they been won't. Well, then something needs to be changed and you should fight for it. But this is not something you can moan about. You should go and talk to them and go and change it. And no, I don't think that all these years back count either. They Were they underpaid? They weren't really underpaid because they didn't have the same sales in kits and they didn't have the same attendances as they do now. So now we've reached this point And yes, hey, we should be earning more. If it was more, we should be earning more. I totally agree. But that doesn't change the past where it wasn't the case. We can't go back and say, look, now we have it here. Um, look look at our podcast. Maybe we'll get sponsorship one deal one day for this podcast. But we can't go and say, oh, we, we've hit a million listeners now. We want to be paid for all the previous episodes. This was a progress. No, I understand that. So my, I guess my debate is coming from have we overpaid and now we're struggling with the issue? Have male footballers been overpaid for many years and now if we're asking for the same, all oh, suddenly it's not possible? No, I don't think so. No, men's football have not been overpaid because we always say this, oh, they earn too much money. Why do they earn too much money? Look how much they are worth that money to the club. Where does this money come from? From everyone buying shirts, from everyone buying tickets to the games, to everyone watching it on TV. And as long as that happens, they are worth this money because the club sees that if I have this player, these are the shirts I sell, these are the tickets I get, these are the attendances I get. So no, I don't think they're overpaid. Oh God, they earn a hell of a lot of money. But the people in racing do too. And this comes from sponsorship deals as well. This is not, I don't think we should be telling the men, oh, you earn too much money, you should be earning less. We as women, I'm talking for you guys, we as women need, <laughs> need to be earning more. But this has nothing to do with the men. Stop hating at them or stop moaning at them. It's not their fault and it's not their problem. We should be fighting for the women's side and not against the men. But I don't think we are hating on the men. And I'm speaking now, I'm going back to national team. And I say we as women's footballers, not as my country. But we are not hating on the men. We are hating on the Federation, first of all, not listening, first not giving us a time of the day to explain a situation, jumping to conclusions, and simply not respecting us to even consider a change that would be accepting. 
Oh, and I agree. I need to be as direct as I always am. But this is not the problem of the men's football. This is a problem of the federation. And you need to take example and you need to um, compare yourself maybe to the men. But it's not their problem. They should not be earning less. They should not be earning um, equal as you. You should be earning the money you are worth. And if that is less, equal or more, at the end of the day... I don't really care, but you should be earning what you're worth. And this is a problem of the federation, and this is a problem that should be taken towards the federations, and this is the money you should be earning. I, I, I agree 100%, but why I always find so difficult is in these situations, mm, as he said, you don't hate against the men and, and whatever, but at the end of the day, it does get said they are overpaid. And no, I don't think they are. Um, you should be earning the money you are worth. And this is what we should all be fighting for. And this is all something we should all be working for. And this is why we're talking about it today. Because it's a discussion we have at the dinner table. Let's work towards you guys. And yes, take the comparison and get more money out for you. But this is not their problem. Do I think the amount is filthy at times that they earn? Yes. But this is me taking my business hat off. Like this is... I understand that that they are worth this money for, for, I guess, the clubs, for the business, because they bring the money in. These are amounts that are dirty, though, if you think about the world as a whole. But that is just how I think, and that's why we're very different. But I know you agree with these amounts being filthy, but you understand the, or you, you see the business side more. Look, look at Saudi Arabia at the moment. Do I think it's crazy what they're paying them? Of course I do. Do I, do I think it's unfair they get this money? Nope, I'd take it. I'd take it if a club there offered it to me and I said, okay, do I disagree with what Saudi Arabia stands for? Yep, absolutely. But these are two different pair of shoes. If we were all these great human beings that only cared about society as a whole, only cared about development, we shouldn't be going to Saudi Arabia. People... Players shouldn't be going there to play football. That's but, why I wouldn't go. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if they go for the money, they're not they're not worse people for going there. It's just something they're looking after them. They're looking after their family, and yes, they're they're trying to uh, turn a blind eye to what happens over there. Um, but that doesn't make them yeah. bad people. Um, earning all this amount of money, God, they're filthy rich. I totally agree. Doesn't make them worse people. No, I agree. I, I don't think that makes them bad people or worse people. As, as you said, maybe turning a blind eye is the way to put it. Because I always ask myself, if you've got a wife and children, how are you feeling comfortable to go to Saudi Arabia with, with what they stand for? But again, as you said, it's a decision. They can provide their family or give their families better, better lives afterwards. I understand that. And so, hey, that's a problem they need to deal with when they go there. Yeah. Let's be happy for them yeah. for what they earn. Let's cheer them on. I'm not going to go and watch Saudi Arabian football. I don't think it's going to make a change. Maybe they want to buy themselves into the Champions League. I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's happening where that is. I think we should always, and this is something I discuss with all of you guys, we should always look out for ourselves. Um, we should always look out of how much money can I earn? How much money am I worth? Um, what do I need? And at the end of the day, we should always fight for society and make it the world a better place. But at the end of the day, if someone else makes a decision, that is their decision and let them make their decision. Um, 
maybe to end this podcast, unless there's a topic you would like to discuss um, further, what is the best solution you could see for long-term growth in football and fair pay? There's no no topic I'm, I'm dying to discuss because I think we can go in circles and I can't even remember the amount of times we've had this discussion. And as the listeners probably can tell, it gets quite, not heated, but it's just direct because we've got different opinions and you, you have this business experience that in all honesty, I do not have. So I maybe see it a, a, just a, dif- a bit differently. And I think there's also a lot of emotions involved when I discuss this topic. But that's what I needs to happen as well because emotions exactly. are, are, are important and I think it's also important that you take the risk of hurting someone's feeling to think aloud and to discuss a topic and to move forward um, and this is not I want to hurt your feelings but I need to take the risk of hurting your feelings so we have this discussion and we can be honest. No, I agree and I think we've had it so many times my feelings can't get hurt anymore through this discussion. <laughs> I've armoured up. <laughs> um, no, I do. I do get. I do get emotional when it says, "Oh, but they're worth more." I know you didn't say those words. I get. I, I know, but I'm. I'm just like every single day. There's a massive physical and mental and emotional strain on what we do. And we're not being heard. Do you know what the th- difficult thing is? And we're moving back into discussion. But you are probably in the worst industry to compare yourself to the other side. Um, go into the business side. Um, have a man and a woman work through the door. You compare it and maybe the man's still earning more. And that's something that goal can be reached pretty quickly. Hey, I do the same job. I bring in the same money. I should be earning the same as a man. Um and it's not 110 times. Um, and this is a difficult thing. I think in, in the business world, they have the same strains as well. Um, it's difficult to compare physical strains on a lot of the sides because a lot of the physical jobs are dominated by men and a lot of the f- people jobs are dominated by women. Now, you're in probably the worst industry you can be in because you can compare your mental strain and your physical strain to the men and have direct comparison because it's mentally so hard to play football in front of crowds under this full pressure constantly uh, working your bodies hard losing your legs as you said in one of the previous episodes and they earn more money than you but let's work towards it let's be patient and you'll get there and I think don't aim for equal pay but aim for fair pay what are you worth what should you be getting and then be happy about it and work harder to get more. Yeah, I think fair pay is probably the biggest takeaway for listeners and for ourselves. For me, it's not forgetting about equal opportunity because this is what a lot of us are asking for. And not forgetting about the financial side, but realising that we're not there yet to ask for the same. We're asking for fairness, but we're asking to be heard and asking for equal opportunity so we can perform at the level that we want to perform. Great statement for the end of the podcast. So thank you for going to the discussion with me. Um, It was real fun. Uh, I hope we can get um, other people to start thinking. If you have opinions on this episode, please let us know. Please get in touch. But thank you for listening in. Thank you for taking this time, Soph, and see you soon. Guys, I'm sweating now because I always get so heated. I'm sorry. Guys, thanks for listening and we'll see you for the next episode. Bye-bye.